Should we live together before we get married? Should we live together? <laughs> Is that what you're asking? <laughs> People are asking this question. I yeah. think as Christians, I think we know the answer to that, but... Do we, though? Do we, though? Because it seems like there's a lot of believers out there that are not living the way God would advise and instruct and oh, command. Oh, so. Yeah. Okay, so we are here, the Fredericks, fierce marriage, <laughs> to talk <laughs> through this, to clarify if you've had these questions of, is cohabitation okay? Hmm. Why or why not? What does the Bible have to say if we choose to cohabit as a couple? Not us, obviously, because we're married, so we are cohabiting as a married couple, and it's awesome. <laughs> But if you are not married, should you cohabit? What are the implications of that? Uh, And what are the implications of the various biblical texts that talk about the pressing issues that have to do with cohabitation? So we'll talk about all that and more on the other side. When we were talking about that, when you said, is it though? When you, when you asked that question, I just thought of Eve in the garden, right? And the enemy's just like, did God really say that? It's like, it's like we ask ourselves that when we're asking hard questions about living together before we're married, which we'll define. I mean, it's basically having sex, living together, pretending you're married. Yeah. So if you're in that kind of uh, scenario, then we're here to talk to you about that. Yeah. Lovingly, but also truthfully. Um, before, we go, before we go there, before we do that, uh, as always, we want to remind you, if you haven't yet, please do leave a rating and a review on this podcast episode. If you're listening, if you're watching it, go ahead and subscribe. If we've earned it, I think we have. If we, if we haven't, subscribe. we will. So <laughs> uh, subscribe and leave a comment if you have a question. It doesn't have to be related directly to this video, but leave a comment with your question there. And that gives us an idea of how we can serve you better. Uh, Those are some of the easiest ways you can support this content, this channel, the Fredericks, this work that God has placed on our Mm -hmm. hearts to do. Uh, Another way you can support is by going to fiercemarriage.com slash partner. There's some tiers and some options there. So a little map, a little direction of where we're going today. We're going to answer some questions uh, about cohabiting. Uh, why do believers and unbelievers cohabitate? I think the reasons are kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, should Christians live together before they're married? We're going to investigate that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about some t- statistics and the mm. truth uh, behind cohabitation and if it actually functions the way where people are oh. hoping it will. Yeah. Uh, and why or why not? And then biblically speaking, again, what what does scripture say and how are we living in obedience to mm. God's word? Yeah. So first big question, what is cohabitation? Right. We're not. My first question is, is it cohabiting or cohabitating? <laughs> That's my first big question. I think, I think it's, it's cohabiting. cohabiting. But, but if we say cohab, cohabit, as, can't even say it As a verb, it's cohabiting. As a noun, I think it's cohabitation. <laughs> Cohabit. If you are not married and you're living together and you're having sex, that's what we're talking about. Is that so? That's what we're defining as cohabiting or cohabitation. The dictionary defines. Okay, so let's expound on that. So some of the um, I can picture maybe friends when we were in our getting dating and getting married age. It was part of the kind of dialogue that we were having Mm -hmm. with friends where couples could be dating and maybe they find it pragmatic to move in together. And if they're calling themselves a Christian couple, then obviously the conviction is you should, you probably shouldn't be having, it's not probably, you shouldn't be having sex before you're married. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, what the Bible has to say about yeah. that 
premarital sex, and and that's not a mystery to us. We do have an answer from Scripture on that. But so as a Christian, we that would be the challenge. And so they would say, well, we're not going to sleep together. We're just going to we're going to live together. Yeah. Or, or they share. would say we're engaged, so we're pretty much married. That's probably more common. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of just jump the gun, mm-hmm. and they'd start playing house before they're actually a household, right. right? Before they've actually made that covenant to one another. Right. So. And it, it begs the question, like, does it really affect your marriage? Yeah. You know, if you've, you're like, well, we've already committed. We're engaged. What is, I yeah. mean, it's just, we're just waiting a few months. What does that even matter? Uh, and there is something to be said, I think, about anticipation. I mean, you talk about that. We talk about that in uh, conversations about mm. sex. Uh, so, it's married yeah. sex when you're married. <laughs> so cohabitation as the dictionary defines it, right? You look this up is you're, you're not just living together, but you're living together as a sexual couple. Yeah. You're, you're having sex now to t- to speak to this other kind of, well, what if we're not having sex as Christians, but we just decide to do the pragmatic thing. There's not a biblical case that says a, a, a man and a woman can't live platonically in the same But house. if you're dating, then there's going to be Obviously, some serious temptation. But if it's just like, there is a biblical case for avoiding unnecessary right. temptation <laughs> and not putting yourself in a place to sin. I think there's biblical cases to be made around that. Yeah. There's also, I think, a pragmatic case to be made around um, there's more to a relationship than just having sex. So you can act like we're having this relationship that is covenantal, but it's not covenantal yet because you haven't stepped into right. that you haven't stepped into the role of a husband or of a you wife. Made so why are you covenant. acting like yeah. a husband? Yeah. You're not one yet. And that that is a living together it, it to me is is there's a strong it pragmatic just, case to be made that yeah. living together is a function that flows out of uh, being married. Right. I think that's probably one of the biggest arguments. But then so, you that's the same argument that can be used to just get out of it too. Like, well, you're not my husband, so we don't have to stay together, right? So this the door is is wide open for no commitment, really. Yeah. So, so we've asked this question and provided an answer. What is cohabitation? What is it actually defined as? Now I want to ask this question. Why do Christians or believers choose to cohabitate? Hmm. Why do they choose it? Most of the arguments around it are going to be pragmatic. They're not mm-hmm. going to be found in Scripture. They're not principled by nature. They're all going to come out of a just practical uh, reasoning. Right. The first one is they just kind of slide into it. Yeah, it's just kind of that next step, right? Of, well, we've been in a relationship for a while, so should we move in together? I guess that's the next step. And and yeah. culture and, you know, entertainment, they just paint this picture of this is what you do next. And obviously and, it's... And the guy might feel pressure, right? Yeah. From, from his girlfriend to say, you know, she wants to know that he's committed. And yeah. he hasn't given her any indication <laughs> that he's actually committed. And so it's like, well, I don't want to propose because for whatever reason... Some guys are just cowards like that. I'm sorry. That's the word that comes to mind. <laughs> like if you love this girl and you want to commit your life to her, like ask her to marry you. Don't be a coward. Do the right thing. But they don't, they want to express commitment without actually expressing commitment. Yeah. So they'll say, all right, well, let's, we can move in together. Like yeah. we can. And unfortunately, most of the time it's not even you're sharing a lease. Like he'll move in with her or he'll, she'll move in with him. And there's just one right. person on the lease. So right. it's not even really even that formal. Right. Um, so that's the first reason you just kind of slide into it. Right. Uh, they don't really see the benefit of marriage. Uh, they may not take it seriously. This is, I think this might fall more on the unbeliever side. I think Hmm. believers do take marriage seriously. Uh, I just don't know if we always understand the level of commitment, Hmm. uh, the idea of covenant and like the depth of that, uh, promise and Hmm. 
how God created it and why he created it, the purposes behind it, uh, and how we see it all through scripture. I know I didn't know that going into marriage. I knew that I was committed to him for my whole life, but I didn't fully understand the depth and the beauty that is in the covenant. Yeah. So So the first one, they just slide into it. It's just mm-hmm. the natural next step. The second one is they don't... It's a lack of understanding. ...understand what a covenantal relationship is or why it's even important. And that can be learned. And that's partly why we're here doing this video. Right. Uh, the third one is it's a matter of convenience. And we talked about the least thing. But if, you have, if you're dating somebody seriously and you're both renting an apartment... Right. And you're both paying, you know, we'll say $500... A month in rent and you're maybe you're sharing an apartment or a thousand dollars a month in rent each you're thinking well we can just move in together and yeah. save a bunch of money yeah. and that can you know why not do that we'll just cut our costs and we'll share groceries and it just becomes a matter of yeah convenience, convenience right yeah. um and the fourth one i would say is that there's this element of i think cultural and society pressure right they just they devalue uh, an old tradition of abstinence perhaps and mm. they're just like oh it's old like nobody does that anymore <laughs> Uh, so why would you, why wouldn't you live together if you're both paying for a place, you're both committed to each other, you're mm-hmm. both by every sense of the word. And it's like, well, you're not really committed if you're doing mm-hmm. this beforehand. I mean, really? Yeah. yeah. I think that plays into the, the, the previous one, which is you just don't understand. Right. Covenant. Right. For sure. Uh, the fifth one, this is probably the most popular, should have put this one first, but <laughs> just try it before you buy it type of yeah. thing. It's like, well, we don't really know if we're compatible Here's a spoiler alert for you. No couple is truly compatible. Right. It's called <laughs> you, sanctification, my yeah, friends. You're always going to have to work through stuff. Yeah. And so this attitude that says, I just have to see first, I think there's a lie there that you're believing and that could be, it'll be perfect and we'll know it. And then right. if, it, if it works well, if, if the car rides and drives the way I think it should, <laughs> pardon the verbiage there, maybe wrong, bad choice of words. But then I know that I'm, I can commit to this thing. Well, the reality is, is that bright, shiny car, so to speak, yeah. is going to need maintenance. It's going to start to break down. It's going to need to be washed, right. up, kept up. It's going to get Wouldn't older. you rather be in the commitment before you're like <laughs> making all these big decisions, right? But the thing is, if your commitment is rooted in right. the, exactly. the attractiveness mm-hmm. of the car itself, in other words, your marital covenant, as soon as that thing becomes kind of outdated, old, outmoded, then you're going to start looking for something shinier. The whole heart orientation, the whole attitude. Stepping into it, yeah. With which you would step into it is you're destined to fail because right. it's not going to get newer over time. Definitely not. It's, but only as you invest in it will it get better and stronger. And and I'll use I'll stick with the analogy, faster. Faster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another reason is the flexibility of it. Yeah. So people will say, you know, I just don't want to commit because it's, it's such a big commitment. And yeah, it's convenience and flexibility when I okay, think go well, hand then in I'll hand. just say then you don't want an actual yeah. marital relationship. So why act like it? Like yeah. if, if you, if you need to learn what covenant means. You need to learn why marriage is good as a lifelong covenant. And that's not going to be easy and perfect all the time, but that's better. Yeah. You need to learn those things. Uh, and some people will say, uh, we don't need to get married. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, it's silly. It's just a piece of paper. Why should I do it? And my answer to those men typically is, if it's so silly, if it's just a piece of paper, why don't you get one? <laughs> if it's that simple, just get the paper. Just get the paper. Make it official. Yeah. Do you love her or not? Yeah. If you say yes, then get the paper. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 if you can't tell, this is a, I get frustrated around this topic. Uh, the final one uh, is that maybe you just don't know better. Maybe you don't know, like maybe right. you, you came from a broken home and Every model of relationship you've ever seen right. was always just not marital, but it, 
you're living as if it is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe you're new to the faith and you just don't understand God's plan and design quite yet for relationships and for marriage. And so we are here to tell you that all of these reasons are not good enough to disobey God's word (laughs) in how we should proceed in our relationship, our marriage relationship. They're not good enough Mm -mm. from that standpoint, but also, frankly, they don't work. Mm -mm. Cohabitation just doesn't work. So next we're going to explore this idea of does cohabiting Mm. actually work? Mm. Should a couple seek to cohabit because it pragmatically solved some sort of problem. And we've done a good bit of research on this. Lena, you, you yeah. did a whole, you, no, you uncovered think, a dearth of I material think, here. I think so let's you see. did. Uh, you know, there's a Barna study that said that 84% of people just cohabitated because they wanted to evaluate their compatibility. Uh, 41% of those said that uh, they were practicing Christians saying that cohabitating is a good idea. Pew Research found that 58% of white evangelicals approve of cohabitating. Oh, co- there it is. <laughs> approve of cohabitation if the couple plans to marry. And despite all these trends of living together, the Bible still is pretty clear about its message. And we want to know why, right? So why are Christians saying that it's a good idea? I'm just shocked. Okay, out of both studies, there is a large swath of Bible believing, mm-hmm. Bible professing, I'll say. Yeah. Christian Active professing Christians, Christians yes. saying that basically it's not a big deal. Right. 41% of evangelicals a big percentage would say, excuse me, 58% of evangelicals approve of cohabitation mm-hmm. if the couple plans to marry. So, in other words, all the reasons that Ryan and Selena just talked about, that's totally fine so long as your trajectory is headed toward marriage. <laughs> Forget the, you know, the, the fact that what cohabit, cohabiting actually implies, what it means in, in and of itself, which what we're saying is usually it means you're not just being platonic. There's going to be premarital sex happening in, in there. Yeah. There's going to be acting as if you're married, married without actually having yeah. the marriage. All these so, stats basically point to the fact that it doesn't work. They're cohabiting the divorce rates among couples who cohabitate are higher. So here's the craziest thing about the research that we've done is that as the rate of cohabitation has increased, the rate of marriage has decreased. So it doesn't naturally lead to, right? Uh, you know, we're just going to try it, then we're going to buy it. No, it's just like, we're just going to try, 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 and then maybe try something else is usually mm. what it leads to. Um, and who's no, left in the wake of that? Right. And we'll get to that. But there is damage being done yeah. in that it's not just like, oh, we tried. Let's try something yeah, else. It's no, permanent damage. Because you're, it's permanent damage because you're building a life together. Uh, even though you haven't committed to building a life mm-hmm. together. So you a lot of times there's kids in the mix. Mm-hmm. There's dependent people in the mix. Maybe a wife. It's usually going to be the vulnerable ones. The wife and the children are going to be the ones most mm-hmm. hurt by cohabitation. So it's not only is it not leading to marriage, but it also leads to the people who do get married out of a cohabitation scenario. Mm-hmm. They're far more likely to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the crazy thing is that you'd think we've tried it. Hey, we know it works. So let's buy it and let's go ahead and move into the next step. <laughs> no, there's an attitude they're bringing into the equation mm-hmm. that as long as this works for me, yeah. we, it, 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 it's good. As right. long as, it, as long as I like this, as long as it fits our right. lifestyle, we can stay married. And that's a completely different heart orientation, attitude yeah. orientation. And the danger is that you've completely jettisoned what the Bible has to say about mm-hmm. it. You, you don't actually care if that's your attitude we don't actually care about what mm-hmm. God's word says. We just care about how it serves us, mm-hmm. how what we want serves us. Yeah. And that's, that, that is a path riddled with death, with 
hurt with right. sickness, relationally speaking. Yeah. Um, and so we actually did a poll mm-hmm. of our lovely Fierce Marriage viewers, <laughs> listeners, readers. Uh, and so it was. it's going to be skewed definitely toward a Christian worldview because that's... That's who we are. That's who we are. That's <laughs> our commitment. We, yeah. we, we are very overt about that. So we asked um, our audience, and the, uh, do you, did you choose to cohabit? All right, before you got married. And the findings were, I think, kind of on par with what we're talking yeah. about given our audience. 69% reported to cohabiting after marriage. So mm-hmm. the majority, seven out of 10 of the folks, couples that follow fierce marriage, waited to live together until after they were married. And then 31%, so the, the, the remainder got married or lived together before they got married. Um, while 64% of those couples, so two thirds are actually having sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting to me because there's a, a smaller percentage of people are living together mm-hmm. than there are that are sleeping together. And honestly, that's kind of echoes our experience as a couple because we didn't live together, but in, by God's grace, we saved sex until after we were married, but it was not easy. Mm-hmm. It would have been very easy to just give in. go down that road yeah. without actually you know going down the road of cohabiting. Yeah. And a lot of that's a function of who's around us because you can it's yeah. very visible if you choose to live together it's it's a very visible thing that anyone right. in your life can see right. if you you know have one night together and you you make a mistake so to speak and you you have premarital sex that's not ne- necessarily something you would broadcast to mm-hmm. everyone in your life so i think it's easier to fall into that versus overtly saying we're just going to live together before right. so yeah. i found that interesting I think it speaks to maybe the struggles that, that Christian folks might be facing. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. So there was another study done by the National Marriage Project, which concluded this, that cohabiting unions tend to weaken the institution of marriage and pose special risks for women and children. And that's mm-hmm. what we were talking about. Yeah. They pose special risks to women and children. Because let, let's play this out. We're dating. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're in, in 22, 23. We've just finished college and we're dating and maybe I have a job and you have a job and we start living together and acting like we're married, but we're not actually married. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're building a life together. All the while, Selena, your very emotional makeup is saying is, is committed. You've already committed. Yeah. Well, by virtue of the relationship being together, it doesn't mean that I had that same commitment. Right, right. You don't return the same. And maybe I'm the one leading that. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to commit because it's scary because I don't feel ready. We don't have enough financial, you know, stability yet. Or I don't, I don't know for sure because I've been, t- I've been <laughs> Those conditioned. Those are nice ways to put it. <laughs> well, but I've been conditioned as a man to think that, yeah. or a, just as an individual to think that there's one person out there and Selena's not perfect. So maybe there's a more perfect person out there. It's so interesting there. how these conversations really play on the role of who we believe we are instead of who God says we are, right? Like yeah. if God calls you, if you're a man and God is calling you to marriage, then you need to just step into that, like you said. And as a as a woman, not becoming emotionally attached and engaged to that level uh, until, I mean, what does Song of Solomon say? It's like, don't awaken love. I know it's speaking about sex, but I think... <laughs> don't, don't awaken, awaken those emotional feelings and those yeah. types of commitment until it's clear that you guys are headed down that path of marriage. Yeah. Don't awaken love uh, before it's time. And so like all these conversations yeah. and these excuses I'll say about why we can live together, but we're not going to get married are all based on, you know, how we see ourselves and not how God sees us. Yeah. So let's continue down this road. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ryan and Selena dated. We, we have both have jobs. We now are living together for two, three years down the line. Hmm. Selena is approaching 30 years old. You start getting the itch. I want to have a, a baby. 
I feel like we, we've been building a life together. Let's make a family together. Mm-hmm. And so now I, depending on how a man would respond to that, it's either fight or flight, right? Either sure. The, I'm not a man. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't want that. Like, I don't know if I want kids and she wants it. I'm not ready to commit to that. Well, all the while she's eight, she's aging. Yeah. You're, we're both aging. Our <laughs> life is passing us by. Yeah. And I've robbed you now of this desire that you have to build a life. And if I fly, yeah. If I don't stay and fight for this and, and double down and I fly away, then you are now an, a, a woman in her late 20s and you're Who's looking very young and wonderful of course, and re- but still I'm just ripe saying, and ready to have babies. <laughs> of course. I'm not trying to say I'm just no, trying to I say know. that you've now that spent life is, is past, a, a yeah. big p- portion of your adult, early adult life yeah, yeah. building a, a life with somebody who actually didn't want to build a life with you. Right. So who's the who's the vulnerable one in that situation? It's, yeah. it's the wife, right? And it's, your found the woman. Your foundation ahead. is totally. You've kind of lost that time a little bit to build that foundation. I would say a lot of our marriage, uh, some of the things that we get to live out today, were because of decisions that we made right. within our twenties, yeah, early thirties. So, so there's not that God can't redeem those course. things, but of course. But I just want to encourage the men watching this, yeah. Like that decision is not just an innocent decision to try and kind of hedge your bets. Not that that's mm-hmm. innocent in itself, but you're actually spending Someone that woman's is. life mm-hmm. for her. And of course she can make her own decisions. I'm not saying that you're forcing her to stay in the relationship, but you're spending those years of her life for your own selfishness saying, I'm just going to spend these parts of my life with you. Cause a, 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 a man's uh, desire for family and a man's even biological ability to, create children is not as contingent on that the the age right mm-hmm. now of course late 20s is not too late to have children but i'm saying you take that equation now you're now on the market so mm-hmm. to speak uh in your late 20s and you're looking for somebody who wants to because now you're not gonna make that mistake again so now you're looking for somebody who wants to mm. to have a life with you well there's a huge swath of the po- population has now moved on to having kids mm-hmm. and so you have now you're single. It's it's by God's grace. You find, see, you see the the problem here. Now, mm-hmm. take that same scenario and add a child. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Selena's feeling fulfilled in that. I you know love this child. Hopefully, obviously, as the man in the equation, and there's still no marriage, still no covenantal bond. We go through a hard thing. Raising kids is hard. It creates all kinds of different dynamics. Selena's a different person because now she's not just my girlfriend or life partner. Okay, she's actually a mom. And there's a deep connection between this mother and her child. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's not prioritizing me. Well, I'm going to go find somebody who will. Mm. Okay. And by the way, all the while, because she's a mother of my child, she's been dependent on me mm-hmm. to be a breadwinner because she can't work, you know, as much as I can, uh, being that the child is dependent on her, on his or her mother. And so when I exit the scenario, who's the victim? Yeah. Who's left in the wake? The wife and the child. And how dark is that? It's all because we failed to recognize that a covenantal bond is Mm -hmm. more than just a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. It's more than just a ring on your finger. It's a decision to commit to and value the things of God the way he tells us to. Right. And so all of this is coming to the conclusion that don't buy the lie Mm -hmm. that by cohabiting, you're somehow doing your later self a favor. Yeah. You are not doing your later self much more problematic, to be honest. It's it's statistically not going to go well. Yeah. Scripturally, it cannot it go, will well. Not go well. It will not go well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this. And here's the big kind of underlying question. Given that we've defined 
cohabiting as more than just living together platonically, mm-hmm. but usually there's a sexual relationship that's being expressed between that man and the woman. So we want to ask this big question and kind of answer it fairly quickly. And this helps us answer the cohabiting question. Does God forbid sex before marriage? Hmm. Yes. Okay. The, <laughs> Absolutely. The quick answer is yes. Now, if you're an inquisitive person, which uh, that's okay if you are, scripture isn't completely overt on this. It doesn't say don't have sex until you're married. It, we don't see that line right. That string of words in scripture. However, we do see the the context within which sex almost always plays out. We see sex good here, sex bad here. Yep. That's what we see <laughs> in scripture. So let's go through some of those passages real quickly. Um, yeah. So basically the Bible, it, it promotes abstinence in the fact that, like he said, it doesn't have the word like abstinence, but anything like premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, sex with anything outside of marriage, the Bible calls sexual immorality so we see this in first corinthians 7 the principles for marriage uh paul's talking about uh conjugal rights (laughs) and all of that and so he's you know he's saying the husband should give his wife her conjugal rights likewise um and how there's this shared authority over our bodies and that sex is something that we need to Uh, continually as a married couple engage in and not take time away from unless it's for prayer or it's a limited time because the enemy can come and tempt us. Uh, And if we have a lack of self-control, then that is even worse. And so, and he specifically says in in first Corinthians seven, two, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman, her own husband. There's an exclusivity there and there's a, it's exclusivity in that one man, one wife, Mm -hmm. And our sexual relationship is to be satisfied in that context that, alone. Right. So that's the first piece. The next one we want to look at is Exodus 20. That's just the Ten Commandments of thou shall not commit adultery. I think it's number six. And that speaks to what seven. you were speaking, that talking about uh, that adultery, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, is any sort of sexual expression that is outside of biblical marriage. Right. Like you said, one what, man, one woman, one husband, one wife, anything outside of that is... Well, uh, yeah, and adultery is a, is a specific type of sexual immorality that is right. extramarital because right. there's sexual Im- immorality that happens premaritally. Yes, and that's not that's extramarital in the sense that it is outside of, in Your addition marriage. to right. whatever that marriage could be in the future for right. you. Right, and so that's um, it's, and it's not speaking to the that idea of pornea, which is what we see in, in the Greek for sexual immorality, which is it's a whole kind of grab bag of things that are counter right uh, sexual nature that god has given us and he's also laid out in the old testament that's good so genesis genesis 2 24 that's just quickly that's in creation it's the second parallel account what we see is there is a consummation of a covenantal bond that happens between adam and eve mm-hmm. the two became one flesh that that one flesh union happened within the context, covenantal right? bond the, yeah. co- the context of the covenantal bond between adam and eve as husband and wife um, and then the next one we want to go through, um, Ephesians 5, 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you as is proper among the saints. Mm-hmm. And we can't really understand that because you could say, well, sexual immorality could be just lusting, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's, 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 a, it's a term that re- references anything that's outside of the biblical model for sex, which we've laid out, which is one man, one woman mm-hmm. together exclusively in a covenantal bond for life. Right. 
Uh, and the next one. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, yada, yada, yada. So we see <laughs> yada, yada, yada. <laughs> the first one for our, the context of this conversation, uh, for the sake of this conversation, is sexual immorality. So um, sex, again, outside of marriage, not within the covenant of marriage, we see as wrong, the works of the flesh, sinful, uh, breaking God's law. Yeah. yeah, and just to clear anything up, like if you're reading... Old Testament, and you're, you're reading guys like Solomon uh, mm. or Abraham, and the the uh, the many wives, <laughs> right? Yes, or the concubines, concubines. Um, and that is not a description of something that is good. Okay, right. what we see it's in that record. scripture is we see it's a record of what happened, and what we're able to see in that is, you know, it's almost in every instance. Uh, I even venture to say in every instance where the marriage is outside of God's design. It doesn't go well for those people. Uh, and just because Solomon had however many concubines and wives, it's not God saying that's good and right and everybody should do that. It's just describing the kind of sins that Solomon fell into. And if you remember, things kind of went downhill mm-hmm. <laughs> from there. Despite all of his wisdom, yeah. you know, and despite all of his striving for finding whatever it is he was looking for, joy, some version of satisfaction that he wasn't getting from God. Solomon didn't find it in those things. He found it in the realization in, Ecclesi- in Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. It's like, live your life under the glory of God and die and be with him forever. Like mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. it. And so anyway, I just want to clear that up because some people have even gone onto our channel, onto our page and started saying, well, God affirms polygamy and here's all the verses. And Absolutely I'm just not. here to say, no, he doesn't. You're affirming polygamy. You're describing polygamy, but that doesn't mean that scripture Affirms, affirms that and not. wants that and has has said that that's the that's the design so we do not agree with that <laughs> yeah so we, we've talked through what is cohabitation we've talked through what some of the ways or reasons people get into it right we've talked about what does scripture have to say about premarital sex mm-hmm. and therefore what could it say about cohabitation and in case you're still kind of wondering i'm not really convinced let's just ask some broad questions about cohabiting and we'll just leave We'll just lob some things in there for you yeah. to think about, okay? So the first big question is this, is do you believe what you're doing, if, if this is you or you're thinking about it, do you believe it's to the glory of Christ? Do you believe that living with someone and having sex with someone that you are not married to is to the glory of Christ? That is the question we're, ans- we're asking okay. right now. So go check out Colossians 3.17 where Paul writes, whatever you do in word or deed, hmm. do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can you read that passage without any conviction Mm. around cohabiting? The second question, do you believe that what you're doing is pure? Okay, so is it to the glory of Christ? Is it pure? Okay, we're asking you, Christian. We're Mm -hmm. not asking just anyone, anywhere. We're saying if you're a a believer Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ, you say scripture's authoritative. Can you you say with full conviction that what you're proposing, what you're doing is pure? Uh, And let's read uh, Philippians 4.8. Where Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever mm-hmm. is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's a tall order, but <laughs> a really good stuff to think about. Uh, the final one, and this is similar, but is it holy? Mm. Okay, is it pure in and of itself, but is it holy and becoming behavior of somebody who would call himself a disciple of Christ? If Jesus were, were to walk in to your place where you live right what would jesus have to say yes he would say i love you yes he would say so many other things but he would also you know what else he would say repent repent turn Mm. from your sin turn Mm. to me trust me trust this model that i've given you for human flourishing 
And here's also what he'll say. It's not without a promise. Yeah. If you conform yourself unto God's way of doing things, it's not that he just makes it hard for you and you die and that's it. Mm. Like there is a promise there. The mm-hmm. promise is that there's flourishing in obedience, that there is blessing in obedience. There is goodness to be had mm-hmm. through living it out his way. Right. There's unity in becoming one right there's and that sounds obvious but there's there's unity not only just sexually and spiritually but we're also like living out this oneness when we're married and we're in this covenant and when intimacy gets difficult and we're struggling we're in this covenant we're bound together and so we are forced to fight through it Mm -hmm. and to figure it out to find reconciliation and how much how much safer i guess right how much more secure is that position rather than gosh, I, I, I'm always, you know, I don't want to make him mad. I don't want to be an inconvenience. I don't want to, right. you know, make it this to, terrible yeah. place that he doesn't want to be because he could just go somewhere else. Like technically he could. And that's where, as you have an awesome opportunity to say husbands to your wife and wife, wives to your husband, I love you and I'm committed to you covenantally. Mm-hmm. And anything that we have to work through, we will do so within our covenant. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. Uh, we have a whole episode, a whole video on that. It's called Burn the Ships. So check that out, what that looks like to actually step into with full vigor into what it means to be in a covenantal (laughs) marriage. I think that'll bless you. So here's our big conclusion is that cohabitation, yes, while it's on the rise, uh, it is not healthy. Mm -mm. And here's the bigger conclusion. It's sin. Mm -hmm. It's sin. And those who seek to live in obedience to God, in obedience to God's word, we encourage you to take decisive action. If you're in a space where you are cohabiting with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, we encourage you to take decisive action. You either need to, you probably need to move out immediately. Not probably. Move gonna, out. <laughs> I mean, unless you're getting married tomorrow. <laughs> like, like Even then I house. would say just wait. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't move your stuff out, but definitely get yourself out of there. <laughs> uh, but the point being made is uh, make take decisive action. Yeah. And what that looks like is, I don't want to just prescribe here from the internet, but I'm going to say this, go talk to somebody divulge the whole situation to them somebody you know that loves christ loves his word and loves you and then follow that counsel mm-hmm. and if that counsel doesn't lead you away from that scenario then find better counsel <laughs> in that case <laughs> just get married so anyway and uh anyway i think that's it yeah. for this episode i'll pray lord i thank you um for your truth um i thank you that even though sometimes uh your truth bristles against our sensibilities uh culturally speaking, that we can still trust it, Mm -hmm. that we can say, all right, well, we're going to get rid of what culture says, and we're going to agree on and believe in what you say. And the things we don't understand, Lord, we're going to dig into your word. We're going to seek to understand, but also the things we don't understand, we're going to trust you. So Lord, I pray for the men, the women um, watching this, listening to this, that you would embolden them to Mm -hmm. to live obediently to you, to not be scared of anything uh, that could come of being obedient to you, but instead mm-hmm. they would fear you, mm-hmm. that they would recognize that you're God and they're not. And in that, they might um, have a deep desire to conform themselves into your image, Christ, and to love you out of the love that you've so freely given by your grace to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this was a long episode, but appreciate you for sticking around. This episode of Fierce Marriages. In the can. See you again in seven days. So until then, stay fierce. Stay fierce.